Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And I'm super excited uh, for today's episode. We have Lauren Maxwell with the Maxwell Division at Cross Country Mortgage. She's been a top originator, top 50 originator in the country and uh, one of the top women originators and the top woman originator in Florida, I, I believe. So I'm super excited to, to dig into just what you've done and what you've been able to accomplish over, I think you said 35 year career. So thank you so much for being here, Lauren. I'm super excited to, to dig in here. Uh, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. And I look forward to talking to you and seeing if I can help any other entrepreneurs who are coming in this business or people who are stuck and they don't know how to get to another level. i I'm here to help and ask away, and I'd love to share some experiences. Love it, love it. So, so let's let's start off. I know I gave you kind of a brief introduction, but let's. I, I want to kind of get, let you do that introduction for yourself. Like, tell us a little bit about yourself. What kind of got you into this industry, and what kept you here for 35 years? Right, like that's that's a that's a good long career in this space that is way too stressful for uh, any normal person to be in. So, got to be crazy <laughs> to certain to a certain degree, right? <laughs> We have different brain cells, that's for sure. So the day I graduated college, I got a phone call from a friend of my mother's who actually was the first woman mortgage banker in the state of Massachusetts. This is back in the Mm. 80s. And she said, hey, Lauren, come and interview with me. You'd be great at sales. So I did not know what a mortgage was. When they were talking about Fannie Mae, this is no lie. I thought, I'm thinking, why am I selling chocolates in the mortgage industry? This is what's going (laughs) through my head at the beginning. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Ginny Mae. (laughs) But I was good at sales, you know, young out of college, cute. Anybody could get deals. So I'm bringing deals in. Didn't know what I was doing, but I'm getting the business. And I'm wondering why every 10 deals I'm bringing in, like maybe two are closing. I just assumed if you have a deal, then it goes and you process and underwrite. I didn't know about guidelines. Nobody teaches you that. So I did this for about a year and a quarter. I got a little frustrated. I moved to Florida in 88. And I decided I'm going to go in the back offices and I'm going to learn about these deals. And I became a processor. This Mm. is real. In October of 88, making $17,000 a year. And I have to tell you, it was a game changer for me. I loved it, number one. So I learned everything. Now I learned everything about loans and why the loans I was bringing in weren't going through. From there, I became an ops manager. I did closing. I did underwriting. I did everything, but always kept my hand in that processing part. So when I finally opened my own branch in 19, let's say 94, I went to retail and opened my own branch as a branch manager. I knew everything that had to be done on loans. And that truthfully was a game changer. So researching the back office and knowing what goes into doing a loan and the guidelines is extremely important. And if you just want to sell, but you don't know the guidelines and you don't love to research, you're going to struggle. You Mm -hmm. really are. So that's how I got my start. And I never looked back. And, um, you know, I can tell you that I close over 500 loans a year for, you know, the past 10 years. And 
in COVID days, I closed over a thousand personal loans. So I still love what I do every day. It was never about the money. I have passion for what I do. If you love what you do, if you're accountable, the money follows because you stay, you become successful, but you can stay successful. I know a lot of loan officers who close a bunch of loans, make a lot of money one month, and then they go on vacation every month for a week right. or they're gone every weekend. And I can tell you those loan officers, and I'm not going to say don't enjoy your life, but you lose the deal. So I am always a consistent, I'm a staple in my realtors um, book, in the builder's book and accountant's book. They can reach me at all times. And that makes a difference. I don't ever just disappear. I mean, I've had three kids in the meantime, you know, a couple of weddings. I don't disappear. I'm still here. I don't care what is going on. It makes a difference. Yeah, of course. I mean, you, you got to put in the work in order to see results like you're getting right. And and, and I think the thing is that, uh, like you said, if you want to enjoy your life, great, but then don't complain about the results that you're getting. Right. So so you don't get to have both ways. You get to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to put the grind that's required to to get the results I want or I'm going to close two or three loans a month and, and enjoy my life and do it. But, but just don't complain that you're not closing 500 loans a year if you're putting in, you know, two to three loans a month effort uh, is it's probably kind of the story there. Right. And so we talked briefly before we kind of started this, uh, you talked about, you know, going through the 2007, eight, you've been in the industry forever. You know, now we're hitting kind of this, this sort of funky market over the last six to, to eight months uh, where rates have gone up like crazy. Uh, but you talked about losing it all in the 2007, eight. So, so talk a little bit about that because I really do like to hear about that journey, about the, the struggles and like, Hey, going, how did you rebuild and things like that? So talk a little bit about that journey that, that you went through back then. Yeah. So I was with a company for um, 11 years. It was called Market Street Mortgage. And, and we had, you know, a bunch of our, us managers who always were doing that 50, 60, 70 million and mm-hmm. great company. And in 2006, I was the top producer. And in, so in seven, we had our trip and I was the number one. It was exciting. We, you know, we're having a, a great time. And then all of a sudden business just changed. And sure. we were, I got a phone call. We were on the verge of bankruptcy because we had a ton of construction loans out there. I had, I had saved my money for those 11 years there. So I had a lot of money, hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars saved. So I, you know, with their blessing, I gave notice so that I could get my money back. And I left. Lo sure. and behold, 60 days later, they went out of business. Lo and behold, every company was imploding. So it was hard to even stay in the deal. So not only did I lose my income, right, of closing 60, 70 million, because there were no banks, no mortgage companies who had money to close loans because all the funding dried up. I lost all my deferred compensation. I ended up losing that money because if a company goes bankrupt within six months, they get your money, okay, to pay debtors. I had all this property because I'm building, everybody's building houses. I was one of them. I'm building seven investments gone because you couldn't sell them and you couldn't rent them because nobody had jobs. Stock market, right? Went down to like 4,000. It was crazy. So literally I had to change my life overnight. Sell a big house, used to drive two cars, sold a car. I was, I had a daughter in boarding school. So I had, I was a single mom with two kids. I literally had to change my whole life in about a month. And I did. I thank God always save. I'm going to tell you my one word of advice, loan officers, if you make some money, make some change put away 50% of what you save. I don't care about anything else. Save it because you never know. It could happen in 30 years. But at that point, I was at least able to sell my big house and buy a condo where I thought I would live free and clear and just have a simple life, you know, closing three or four loans a month. I was going to be okay with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because literally I started from scratch. It was nothing left after that. 
people would say to me, what are you going to do? What do you mean? What am I going to, I'm going to stay in the mortgage business. That's all I know. So I went to work the worst year of my life. I had to work for Flagstar Bank because they were basically the only company that was closing loans. And they took the top loan officers, you know, around the country. I remember flying to New Jersey with Greg Frost and Paul Diamond, myself, and about seven, eight other people. And we all had to go work for them for a year just so we could close loan. Sure. Anyway, lo and behold, I was very happy. And then I left there and I went to another mortgage banker as, you know, we started to grow again. And again, I was still going to be real happy, but just because I was there, I never gave up, never surrendered, right? I still did loans that at that time, 2009 was a great year for me. And then it got better in 10, 11 and so on. And then 2017 guys, where I was just really happy, I was going to be okay with doing four loans a month. I was the number one originator, the total originator for government loans in the whole country. Wow. And that was a game changer for me because it allowed Ron Lenhart, the owner of Cross Country Mortgage, found me at that point. And after everybody that I interviewed with, I decided to make a change. And since I've been here, I came in July of 2018. I have went to a totally different level. So Mm -hmm. you could be the best salesman in the whole world. But if you don't have a great company behind you, great support, great products that run like a well-oiled machine, you have zero because you could bring in all the loans you want, but it's not just about you. You need a whole team. You have to have people behind you who are visionaries just like you who care where you are your company's client, where my clients are my realtors and my borrowers, my owner, one owner did 50. We did 58 billion last year. He, every loan officer, every manager are his clients. Cause if he doesn't treat us and get us the best products and the best mm-hmm. everything, then guess what? We have nothing. So he's allowed me to grow to totally different levels that I never in a million years thought I'd see. And I pinch myself every day. Yeah, that, that's, that's incredible. I mean, it's true because I mean, in, especially in an industry like the mortgage industry, there's 40 or 50 people that, that touch a, a file on any given like time, right? Like if we're talking from title to, to post-closing and everybody that has to touch it in between, and it does have to be a, a well-oiled machine. One of my favorite books is uh, Never Lose a Customer Again. And it talks about that, that sort of customer experience and how it's evolved over the years in regards to, you know, it, it's, it's gone from like 70s, 80s, things like that. You were just happy that something arrived. And now we have Amazon era where if it doesn't come in two days, we're pissed, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to remember that, the consumer has adapted to these new standards. And so if we are not adjusting, and, and I think every single year it has to be that new reinvention because every time there's new technology, there's new things that can come out. And, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, if you're not with someone that is is doing that like behind you, then, you know, it might, might make sense to, to find someone else. And everybody has different needs as well. Right. I mean, you know, for someone like you with big production, things like that, like you need someone that can like support massive production. You need a big, you know, big team. For someone else, it might just be, you know, they want to max out their comp, right? But, you know, it is what it is. It just depends on like what you want as, as an originator. But I do agree, like the team is everything. And I know that like for me, like I would be nothing without without my team. I'm total basket case. I forget things all the time. And, you know, if, if it was all all up to me, you know, things probably wouldn't move forward very far. But, you know, again, it's it's just part of learning to be a leader and things like that. So I wanted to touch really quick. You talked about being the top like government originator FHAs. So, so many times people have this sort of negative stigma around those, not negative, but like, they're like, I, you know, I want to do conventional a paper 20% down, like the loans that everybody wants to do. Right. Like it, it, I get it. Like those are going to be the easier, you know, clients and things like that. But 
you, you talked about that being kind of what you've done your whole career. How, how did you sort of handle this period during the 2021, 20, 22, when things were crazy? And a lot of these guys were saying they wanted to accept FHA. Were you still closing a lot of uh, government loans during that time? Yeah, actually, 21 was my biggest year ever. I personally closed almost 1,100 loans. So, wow. Yeah. And I started out when I came here and I started out in this business, I was working in a trailer in East Naples, um, which is not our best part of town. Okay. It was called Naples Manor. And I was the only person who did FHA loans. So back then the loan amount max, I think was like 87,000 or something. Now that same max loan amount, 672,000 where we lived. Anyway, but nobody knew how to do them. But so I guess I had a head start that I learned about the product that people needed. My brain works and how I run my business. I want to help people and work with people who need me. Sure. Most people can get a mortgage done, correct? Especially if you're talking about a a paper. And don't get me wrong. I do a paper. Okay. However, I love to work with people who need me. I want to work with the veterans who need me, who people don't want to sit down with them because they have a 550 credit score because they, you know, they've been away or they weren't taught how to take care of credit. Your FHA borrowers, you need a minimum mm-hmm. of a 580 credit score. That's my niche. Um, I want to work with the self-employed people, again, who write everything off because nobody ever taught them what they would really need to do to have home ownership. And you can't just sure. write everything off because your accountant says don't pay taxes. That's not the American dream unless you never want to own a house. So I will sit with somebody. I love to educate people. And that's how I got my start. When I went into retail in the early 90s, that's what I did. I had a um, I had a Latin real estate agent who found me and she said, oh, my God, you know, FHA loans come to my office. I'll do all the translating. And there were no computers. We t- I took every loan by hand, okay? All paper apps. And huh? I would sit there in a trailer and literally my office looked like Walmart where people were lined up for me to pull their credit <laughs> and tell them what to do and what they needed to bring me on the next visit. That This oh, is real. Awesome. I would put my kids to bed and I'd be out there from eight at night till one o'clock in the morning, no joke. So anyway... So FHA has all, people know me. They know if an FHA loan can get done, I know every guideline. I know it better than any underwriter. I don't care what anyone says because I have lived it since the early 90s. So I still do FHA loans at 500 credit scores with 10% down because people don't know you can do them. All right. So you have to be with a company as well who doesn't have overlay. So again, I can't say enough. I'm in the right place. And you know, I think I will live here and hopefully one day if I, when I do die, I'd like to just die in one of my files and I'll go out. <laughs> as a, I, uh, I say this, a magical mortgage master and a marvelous mother. That's it. That's my claim to fame. Okay. Uh, that's so <laughs> awesome. I love that so much. It's, it's, you know, that's, that's, uh, you can tell, I mean, you can just see the passion uh, or you can hear the passion and, and most people are probably gonna be listening to this uh, on, on one of the platforms. So yeah, you can hear the passion in your voice in, in regards to this. And I, I do find that that you find that in the FHA, the people that need you more, right? And, and you see so many times loan officers that uh, they want to do a paper, they want to do these things, and they don't want to work with people. And they're like, well, if this person's not ready today, then he's not, he's a tire kicker type of thing, right? And, and I just see that be such a transactional sort of mindset around this industry. And sure, it works, right? Like you can build a business off of a paper people, right? Like there's there's nothing wrong with that. But I do find that they're missing out on the fulfillment of, mm-hmm. of, of helping people own homes that may or may not have 
known how to do that, right? If they work with another loan officer. So I do think there's a lot of uh, fulfillment that you get out of working with this demographic that that may or may not, you know, you won't maybe get from someone who's, uh, you know, 20% down conventional that's going to, you know, uh, rate shop you to death and, uh, you know, just just wants to get it done type of thing. So I do, there's there's a lot of value there. So let's just kind of go back to like the, the hard years of, and not, I don't mean the hard years because you obviously closed a lot of deals. I mean, like hard years in terms of multiple offers, you know, very low inventory, where, how were you able to get FHA deals in the contract during those times, right? I mean, now I know it's a little bit different in this market, at least in most markets. But what was like, is there some sort of secret sauce yeah. or something that you do that, that helps? I'm a little more fortunate, you know, Luke, because I've been here for 35 years or 34 sure. years in Collier County. So my... I don't, I, there's a lot of loan officers who will give an approval letter because a realtor asked them to Sure. just for looking at credit or telling them about a client. And I can tell you that my word and my name is everything. So if my name is on an approval letter, that means I have reviewed their assets, reviewed their income and reviewed their credit and know that I mm-hmm. can do the job. So sure. because of me having the history of here, I'm a little more fortunate than other people might have. So gotcha. my approval gotcha. letter means everything. And when they'll call me and say, hey, can we have DU approval with it? They'll make sure I actually did it and ran, you know, desktop underwriter. And I'll give them whatever they want. And, you know, I try to, my clients, I try to share with them and with the realtors. And I think we have a mutual respect. We'll write letters for the client. The client will write letters of why they should accept their offer. And I can close everything quick. So I can close in 20, 30 days, always in a busy market or a slow market. Okay. And I save deals as well, but I think just having my name out there and doing that research, knowing I'm not just going to kick out an approval letter unless I really review it. So I'm ready to go. Once you get me the contract and the appraisal, there's not much left to do. Maybe update a bank statement with escrow money and get an appraisal and survey title. So we're pretty much there. And I think that's helped, but really having the right real estate agent too, somebody who's not going to give up on them because I've worked with agents who are so passionate about what they do and they will go the extra mile. And I've worked with others. Oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Cause I've already had a show seven houses. Right, so right. you know, who you hire matters and everything. And um, I, I can't stress that enough, but going back, I just want to share with loan officers about the clients who need you, who aren't the easiest clients that may not be ready now in three months or six months, maybe it's a year. They are also the most loyal yep. and they will send you their brothers, their uncles, their coworkers, their friends. They meet, they're very proud that they own a house and they want to share how they did it. The realtor that helped them and the mortgage person, they'll be, you can't use or can't talk to anybody else. If you don't use Lauren, you're not going to get it done. I mean, this, they are so loyal. So I would, your thought process needs to be rethunk and know that people who need you are going to be much more loyal to you than a transaction where it's, you know, done and then you're, you're off. They're not going to remember you. And that I I know from experience. So I I, a hundred percent agree with that. There's this, what I would say is a a false or like a logical fallacy around that. People say, well, people that, you know, people that aren't wealthy or aren't 20%, those are going to give bad referrals because the people they know are also not going to, so hit on that. Like, do you find that the people that are doing like a three and a half down or whatever, or even down payment assistance, that every single person they refer is also going to be down payment assistance? Or do you find that it doesn't really matter? First of all, I do a lot of down payment assistance, but I only do them now. I had never done them up until I believe in down payment assistance when they're good product. I don't, right. a lot of them I don't find to be great product. 
the DeSantis products, which is our hometown for heroes, and now our our government product, which is our 203H for hurricane victims, are phenomenal mm-hmm. products. So I will do down payment assistance, but I won't do those Chinoas and things like that because sure. it's not a good deal for the client. I also have to believe in what I sell. But right. no, first of all, yeah, I mean, like I said, clients who need you are going to be a lot more loyal. So why wouldn't you want to help those clients? And then you get three, four, five, ten 10 referrals and they remember you. And if, even if they're harder still, the three, four, five, just because something simple, that means they're going to be watching the news. And guess what? Every tick of a rate, they're going to be bothering you about, hey, I think rates are going down. I know I lock, but I'm going to go somewhere else unless you can match. I don't play that rate game. So when I have a client like that, I said, listen, I'm honest. You have the wrong girl. You know, if, if you're just looking for the best rate, go online and go to your better dot rate. I can't, they might blow up because they all, you know, you've seen they've went out of business. So you yeah, might be stuck yeah, three yeah. days before closing, you lose your escrow. You're going to get me on the weekends. You're going to send me an email. I'm going to respond. You're going to get me at night. I don't close at five. And you're always going to know you have a team of professionals. If you're just mm-hmm. looking to rate shop, then please, by all means, go online and, you know, and I wish you the best of luck. But I try to eliminate and get those people out because why spend all the time energy when they're only in it for the best eighth? And I'm talking, I'm telling you $200 I've had somebody been shopping me as I'm already working, you know, for a, a, a lower fee. And I just don't do that anymore. So you have to know, you know, you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. To sure. me, that's a client that I'm going to fold and I'm going to pass and I'm going to I'm going to put my energy into clients that need me that are going to be loyal. And I know I'm going to close. It might not be in 30 days, but I'm going to work with them even if it's six months. I don't care because I'm going to get so much better referrals and they're going to come to me again because I'm going to teach them and help them to buy five homes in five years. I have a little right. trick and I will ask. I would love to educate somebody five homes in well, five years. That is my thing. And I help people do it. Well, let's, let's talk about that. If you're open to it. I mean, what, what does that look like? I mean, because I do think that's the other thing that, that lots of times originators forget about is one transaction is not one transaction. If you do it the right way, right. You get one transaction, you should be able to capture there, whatever three to seven lifetime transactions, right. Whether it be a refinance or a future purchase. Uh, so, so how do you do that? I mean, you talked about five, five homes in, in five years. If you're, if you're willing to share on the podcast. Well, I, mean, I can't you know, give I away all my secrets. Well, yeah, of course. Because, you know, of course. I share them with people who work for me on my team. So any <laughs> loan officers out there are interested in really getting some great experience out there, you call me, Lauren Maxwell at maxwellmortgageloans.com. But, Always but I will give you my secret then. But, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's not that hard. But you have to be willing to put the time and sit with your clients and go over their game plan and their certain credit criteria and their income criteria and how much money they need to save and and educating them on how they can buy a second home for year two and vice Mm -hmm. versa. So it's more time and effort. But if you have if you're a loan officer and you only want the A paper, you're not going to want to put the time in to help the clients like we will sit down and do. And that's where you have to look in the mirror and say, do I want to be a transactional loan officer or do I want to look at the big picture and grow my business? Because remember, I've been in the business since 1987. It wasn't until 1994 that it was a total game changer. And I don't mean I was making $17,000 all those years, but in 94, it went to a totally different level. So it doesn't happen overnight. It's really, again, about educating yourself, learning your products, learning the system and listening, not always talking. Sometimes I sit there, I listen to loan officers, high powered ones. I'm on a lot of groups and boy, they just want to talk about, you know, themselves. Listen, 
listen to your clients, their needs, what they're looking for, what they want. You'll get so much more out of it. Just keep your mouth shut. Talk when needed, you know, education. I, I love that because it's, it's a concept we talk about all the time because so many loan officers want to say they're not salespeople. I'm like, it's because it's not because you're not salespeople. It's because you have this wrong stigma around what sales is, right? Sales ultimately is what you just talked about. It's listening, understanding their problem and prescribing a solution to their problem. So many times people think it is that talking, the pitching, the, the, the selling them into something. It's like, well, that's, that's like the, that's the, the typical stigma of a used car salesman that that's unethical sales. In my opinion, true ethical sales is like, okay, this person has a problem. And if they have a problem that I can solve and I truly believe in my own product and the, my service, then I'm going to tell them why they should work with me and not somebody else. I mean, I don't know what your definition of it is, but and that's I am how a, I see listen, it. you know me, if you're in the room with me for five minutes, you know, I'm a salesperson. I oh, go sure. to McDonald's with my daughter and guess what? I hand out my business card. And the first thing I say is when I'm handing over my money, do you own a house? Because everybody, and I really believe this, everybody should be a homeowner. Nobody should be renting forever. And people who work at McDonald's, a lot of them are there after school. So they're living with their families. They're single moms. They have multiple mm -hmm. people living in the house and they're renting and they're moving from year to year. Cause you know, you can't have pets. You can't paint. You can't have mm -hmm. pickup trucks. Nowadays, everybody's kicking out people because the rents are sky high. So I believe in home ownership for everybody. So I don't care where I am. And when I have realtors I meet and they don't have business cards, oh, well, I'm all digital. Well, not everybody's digital. Okay. So I carry a business card everywhere and anywhere. My husband is a county commissioner. I don't care where I go with him and I take business cards. When he was a sheriff, I used to take them there. I want to help the world. I, my motto is Lauren Maxwell, financing the world one loan at a time. And I do it. I mean, I am out there. So carry your business cards and everybody, you know, whether it's your waitress, whether you're getting a, a drink somewhere, whether you're at coal shopping and you're, you're working and somebody's helping you ring something up. Not everybody owns a home and they don't even think they can because that stigma is, oh, I need 20% down. I need a yep. 700 credit score. I love my borrowers with the 500, 550 credit score because they want hope. And I'm here and I give them hope. So love it. I love I'm it. still it, a salesperson, but I still, I'm going to be a salesperson to get you to the point to let me educate you so that I can help you. And it's, it's, and that's what I think is the negative part of it is like the people think that it's like, okay, we'll doing this, like to put people into a home that they shouldn't be in. It's like, that's not what it's about. I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well maybe it is, it doesn't make sense for you to wait six months and get your credit to a, to a 580 or, or to a 620 or whatever. But it's like, how, how do you get that conversation started if you're not, you know, you're not having that conversation with them. I mean, you're not, again, I think so many people don't want to ask. They don't want to do the ask. And that, that's the, the one piece that it, so many people fail at. And then of course, anybody who says I'm not a salesperson, then you, you look them up in their production and you can tell that they, they believe it. They <laughs> truly believe they're not a salesperson. And you can tell it's like, okay, cool. Like, do you believe that your product is the best thing? Then it's your ethical obligation to go tell everybody about it. Like, it, it, All right, like Luke, come on, do, man. You own, like, do you own a house? I do own a house. Yes. You own more than one. I don't yet. No. Why not? No, like, no, I come just on got in. Let's talk about it. Let me help you buy four more houses in four years. So you can have financial freedom from real estate. Seriously. That's what I love to do. So I want you to yeah. do it. Come on. I love it. No. I, and I love it because to go back to your statement around the 20% down, I worked for a mortgage lender for like three and a half years. It was a reverse mortgage lender. So it was a little bit different, but I did post-closing. I did all the different jobs. I thought the whole time I needed 20% down. I needed you know, all this stuff. And I come to find out, like I could have bought a home like three or four years earlier <laughs> than I bought one. You know, I, and I got in at a good time. I was in 2015 at like a three and a quarter 
Right. Uh, so it was, it was a great time, but, um, all right, scrap I that. I don't it. talk about rates. Just another yeah. thing. Rates don't oh, for sure. Me. Agreed. Okay? Agreed. And let's talk about that. that over the course of 29 years. If you did a study, do you have any idea what the average interest rate has been on a home mortgage? Probably 8%. 7.71. So we're still in the sixes, unless you're an investor or doing, you know, a bank statement loan or an appraisal only loan. We're in the sixes. So we are still under for the last 29 years. So what happened is the hype was the COVID years, right. twos and threes. That wasn't realistic, guys. That was to keep our economy going. It was great. If you took advantage of it, wonderful. You know, refinance people. But now you see companies are imploding. Do you know that there's... Sure. Over 270,000 uh, mortgage loan officers that, that were there. And do you know, 70,000 of them did not renew this year. Wow. Because when the going gets tough, right? The tough keep going and the weak bow out, right? Yep, because yep, they don't yep. just come. Like you could get a knock on your door. Oh, help me with the mortgage. And you know, you open your door. Okay. So this is going to be the real people in here. So I never talk about rates. When somebody calls and complains, like, forget about the rate. Let's talk. What can you afford in a payment? Let's work backwards. This is where you need to be. Your yep. rent is going to be $2,600 a month. Do you want to spend that in rent? Or maybe do you want to spend $2,800 and own your house? And now you're building your equity. So right, I, right. I, I really immediately, I'm pretty like, scratch that. I, I, oh, what do you think is going to happen with rates? It doesn't matter. Where, where are you at today? Do you need to own a home today? Okay. And that's really how I work. I, I don't like to talk about rates because it's a moot point. I can't control them. You can't sure. control them. You know, right now it's a little crazy, but guess what? Right now they're a little, they're a little bit down. And it's going to change your payment by maybe $40 a month. So, you know, they're not going to the twos and threes. So educate everybody. They're not, that was unrealistic. I don't think they're coming back to the fours. You know, if we're, if we get lucky, we'll come back down to the fives. Okay. And right now you can buy a point or two and be in the mid fives. So it's not, sure. you know, I mean, I think I just locked somebody today at 5.8, you know, with three quarters of a point or something. So anyway, that's the other thing. Don't just be a follower. So look great. Successful loan officers are leaders. They great. look and they say, how can we close loans without the negative press out there? So if you, if you call, if a pick, if your client calls you and says, Oh, how's the market? Oh God, it's terrible. Rates suck. I mean, do you really think that they're going to feel good about working with you? The market's uh -huh. awesome. I mean, come on. What? Tell me, tell me about you. Where, where are you at? Why are you renting? What you're living in your mother's basement. What's going on with you? Get to the bottom of it, but don't talk about rates. So that's why I only say that because you mentioned three and a quarter. Oh yeah, for sure. For I don't sure. want no, no, to swear and I, and I, on your show, but I want to go F three and a quarter. It ain't happening <laughs> again. Okay. No, and I and I agree, and I agree on that. It's it's a it's something that people like to to they they like to uh, put a stand about that that they got the lowest rates, things like that. And to me, like lowest rate only matters. Like there's there's no strategic advantage to being second lowest rate, right? So like if you're if you're not going to be the Walmart of loan officers, don't worry about rate because if you're not gonna be the lowest of the low, if you're not gonna be the better.com who ended up going out of business, if you're not gonna be them, then who cares, right? Because that's, there's no strategic advantage to that. And, and what you said totally is, is true, which is, it's all about the payment. And, and, and I heard a statement that said something like this, like there's no bad time to buy real estate. There's only a bad time to sell, right? And so as long as you're not planning on buying and selling in the next year, if you're planning on holding seven, 10, eight, 12, whatever years, you're going to most likely, I'd say 99% of the time, you're going to come out all right on the other side. But regardless, you're still 
locking in a fixed rate payment for 30 years, 15 years, whatever it is, most of the time. And so you're hedging against inflation just by doing that. Um, and I think people just don't understand the way money works and economy works and the way that rates work and things like that. Yeah, sure. Like it would be nice if it were 3% again, but we knew that like that was never sustainable and that that was actually going to cause what it caused, which was now what we're, what we're seeing today, right? Like those low rates actually caused everything that happened, not just the low rates, obviously, but like everything that happened, the printing of money and all this stuff caused what we're seeing today. And sure, it was great for two years, but now we're in a real market. This is, this is a regular market. And I feel like 2019, towards the end of 2019, was about to feel like it was going to be getting into this market. But then we had COVID and then you know everything was artificially basically lowered. But I knew towards the end of 2019, everybody started kind of whispering about the rates going up and things like that and the market getting harder. And then 2020 hit and you know, you know what happened there. So in terms of going out there and getting more business, what, what would you say, like if you were to go out there today, just start over again, like what would you do to go out and get business in this market? Well, first of all, you know, people don't realize this, but I'm still in the game daily. So I'm, you know, I'm here every day. I work seven days a week, but like I do lunch and learns. I do mm. breakfast. I'm with top producers of realtors all, all the time. I go to tons of events. So be out there, be knowledgeable because you never know if somebody picks up the phone and says, Hey, I have a client here. Can you help? But be again, know your products and be ahead of the market. So work for a company that brings new products. So for instance, I am bringing in somebody who works for me, who does all my renovation loans and 203Ks. Mm -hmm. Right now it's getting harder for buyers to buy houses because of these cash borrowers coming in and eating it up, sure. right? But the houses that are all messed up and clients don't want to give them away and they want to be able to sell them, they first time home buyers would love those houses if they could get the money to fix them up. And I right. have a renovation loan product for them, whether I do FHA, VA, or conventional. And I decided I'm going to bring her in. And I made an appointment at one of my brokers, you know, next week, and I'm going to meet with 40 different agents. So that's sure. one. I stay in the game and I realized, you know what? She's going to be here all day. I just threw it on Facebook. Hey, is there anybody here who has at least eight agents who wants to learn about what I can do for renovation? And 203K programs. I said, you give me eight and we'll do a 930 appointment. Let's use my day. I'm going to take her. I'm flying her in. So I'm going to use her all day to sure. do these. So being ahead of the game, being in the market, giving value. I think that's pretty valuable value. for me to be able to show to my real estate agent. So I love my agents and my agents I work with and new ones I meet. No, I'm not beneath them because a lot of, you know, agent or back in the day or loan officers feel they're beneath the real estate agent. Sure, oh my God, I have to. Well, guess what? First, never feel you're beneath anybody. That's my number one advice. I don't care what you do. If you're a garbage man, if you, you know, work as a cashier, I don't care. You're, nobody's beneath anybody because everybody Great. needs somebody, right? But no, yeah. I walk into anywhere I'm at and I can hold my, I can, you know, really hold my head high because I know I'm their equal, but truthfully, realtors need you more than you need them unless they deal with all cash. Because right. without right. a good lender, in their back pocket and by their side. I don't mean back pocket by paying. I mean, you, you have to partner up. Then they have nothing. Because if they have to pick up sure. the phone and call a rocket mortgage, you're in big trouble. Because right. there's no right. local listing agents who are going to accept commitment letters from you know banks they don't know or are used to dropping the ball, credit unions or these online companies. So you need a local lender you can trust, count on, who is worth their salt. So know your products, 
bring something of value to your agent so that you know you're on level playing field and that you guys need each other. I need my realtors to bring me business, but they need me to get the job done and close or they don't get their commission. Yeah, that, that's huge. It's, it's funny because it's one thing I was talking with one of our, our loan officer clients. We were just talking about that. And he was like, he used to be in the consumer direct, right? So he was all that. And he's, I was like, you're treating, when you go out and meet with realtors, you're treating them like they're better than you. Like, just pretend like you're talking to the consumer and you know better than them. Like, just, you have so much value to give these people and you don't stop treating them like they're, they're on, on a pedestal that they're better than you because you're going to give that energy. And this is with anything, right? And, and sales, especially because sales is a transference of energy. It's, it's all about confidence, who owns the room, who, who's got like the better frame. And I just, I feel like because of the, the, the stigma around the industry of like, Oh, you got to go to realtors that you're for some reason below them. It just doesn't make any sense. The partnership. Right. And yeah, there's some realtors that maybe will do that. Right. There's some that are going to treat you like a vendor, but those are the type of people you probably want to work with. And I'm sure you've probably fired some of those type of people that are, that are like, Hey, you know what? Like, you need to do my pre-approvals at nine o'clock at night. And I'm always going to send them to you at nine o'clock at night. Like, sure. There's exceptions to the rule, but you know, <laughs> if someone's always sending you the nine o'clock pre-approvals. Like, come on, man. Like, you're not controlling your, your business. What, what do you do with those type of people? I mean, just curious. I don't get them as much. I mean, I, I have, you know, weeded out people in the past. I really don't get that anymore because I had set boundaries a long time ago. So yeah, set them up and say, you know, Basically, if you know they're using three or four different lenders and they're giving you the weekend or the night deals at some point, unless you love working weekends and night, and maybe you have a different job and you like it, you know? Sure, sure. So for me, my real estate agents know not everybody has my personal cell phone. So if they text me or call me on a weekend, they really need me. So right, I'll get right. it done for them. I won't personally do it, but I have built my business where I have assistants who I can say, hey, would you mind sending this out for me? You know, I already sure. looked it in the system. So there's pretty much, you know, I, I don't just get those randoms. I really don't. So it's hard for me, you know, to say that now. But back, I've had clients who've called here and have just tortured. So not normally realtors. Realtors have been great. But I, you have that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you get a client who's just so rude to your receptionist that and they're consistent. Like if they don't get you right away, well, I'm on the phone. I'm not sitting here eating bonbons. So if I'm right. not getting, <laughs> they're not getting to me right away. It's because I'm busy. I'll always call everybody back in an hour and I'll uh, pick up the phone and I'll say, you know, Joe, you know, I'm saying Joe Smith. Hi, Mr. Smith. What's up? Well, I try to call you. I'm like, yes, you tried to call me and kindly out of respect. If I call your office, you leave a message and I'll call you within an hour. Don't call here three times and surely don't be rude to people who work for me. And if that's the way it's going to be, then I'd suggest you go somewhere else. If you want to start off from scratch and be respectful to me and my client and my people, then please, then let's continue the conversation. I've had clients be like, I'm sorry, Lauren, you're right. I was in a bad mood or clients who said, I'll never do business with you and hung up on me. And that's okay too. I don't take mm -hmm. it personally yep. because if it starts out like that and you allow that type of behavior at the beginning, oh my God, it's just going to get worse. Yeah. And I, I find if it's a one-off, typically it's, it's like you said, it's a, it's a reflection on them more than it's a reflection on anything that you're doing. And, and that's what I've just found in general. When people react to something in a, in a negative way, it's generally, okay, what is going on in their life? So I, I tend to have a little bit of empathy for people. Like, not that I like allow them to do that, but I have empathy for people that react because I know that that's a personal thing, like 90%, unless you totally drop the ball in there. But even then, like, even then, even if you do drop the ball, it's not necessarily normal to like call someone yelling because they messed up. Like it is what it is. I mean, you should just be able to, to, to be balanced. And so it's one of the things that's like just some empathy. Like they must be going through a hard time if they feel the need to like take it out on someone, you know, it's a, an interesting concept that, that I've learned over the years, but man, this has been an amazing, uh, amazing podcast. I feel like we've learned 
so much about, you know, what it takes to be a, a top producer and a consistent top producer is just, I mean, grinding, taking the time, working. And, and it sounds like you processed out a lot of your business as well, which I think is what's required for scale, like, like you're at, right? Doing 500 to 1,000 loans over the last few years is, is incredible, but you couldn't do that alone. You'd, you had to have some pretty good process in place, I'm sure. I have a wonderful team I built. And like I said, guys, Rome wasn't built in a day. So when sure. I leave this, I'm going to tell you three very simple things. How's that? You ready? Yep. Sounds good. Answer your dang phones, guys. <laughs> and do you know, I mean, from loan offices to realtors, you always don't answer and they only want to text. Well, if people are calling you, they want to talk to you. Answer right. your phone. Okay. Answer your emails. Do not let it sit for one day, for two days. Do you know that I own a lot of property? And what I did before I ever list anything, do you know I call the real estate agents that I've been referred and I see if they answer their phone or not, or if they let it go right to voicemail where they say, hey, I'm really busy. It's easier for you to text me. They're off my list. I'll never list with somebody who won't answer their phone because then what happens when an agent wants to show it? Or what if they have their own client who says, hey, I want to go see that house or hey, I want to make an offer. I have to get somebody's voicemail all the time. I see that with a lot of loan officers as well. Answer your phone answer your emails and be accountable. That's it. Those are three simple things that I do every day, all day long. And, it, and I stand out and I have realtors who tell me that I have clients who say, Oh my God, Lauren, I got you. I never thought I'd get you on the phone. I'm like, why? Well, cause everybody says you're so busy. I'm like, but this is my job. I'm busy. Cause I'm talking to clients like you. So I'm never right. too busy for my clients. Smart. I mean, you know, Hey, it's simple, but not always easy. Right. You know, you just well, got to do the work. People don't it do it, too. but it is easy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it comes down to, I'm sure, uh, structure as well in the day, things like that. There's Most people are very, very reactive and don't have sort of structures. And, I, and I'm sure that's kind of something that you've been able to, to develop. And then also having support staff that, that can give you that support. And, and so many times people want to, they're, they basically have a job, right? Like they just have a job and they want to do it all. Whereas like you've developed a team and, and people that can do some of that other stuff. So that you can focus on answering the phones, answering your emails, doing the sales activities that are bringing in the money and having an impact. Because I'm sure you're probably not pushing papers and chasing commissions, are you? I'm going to tell you something. Every contract that comes in, I send out the welcome letter. I review every CD that goes out and I lock all my own loans. So that's not true. I'm involved in every processing making sure the LEs are out on time. So you'd be surprised. And that has to do, all right, I'm a paper person. So like when I get a prequel in, look at, I have all paper and I do my own prequel. Oh, so nobody, I, can, I have somebody who pulls the credit for me, who puts sure. it together, but I look at it, review it all before any prequalification goes out. So I'm super hands-on. You, so it. you would be surprised. Now I have to, people yeah. who are helping me, don't get me wrong. You know, I have somebody who's also on my emails to make sure I don't miss any And when I don't answer the phone while I'm on with you, I have two people who take my calls because, again, I believe everybody should get a person on that phone. I love that. But I am very hands on. And if you want to grow and be really, really successful, you have to know your file. So if you called me, if you I was doing a loan for you and I don't care if it was a seventy five thousand dollar manufactured homes. By the way, I do manufactured homes as well. I don't discriminate from seventy five thousand to seventy five million. I will know your file and I will know if we're in the process where we're at, if disclosures have been sent and when it's going on to write it, period. I love it. So, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's, and I think I, that's huge. And again, I love it. I love coming to work every day. Yeah, I think it's huge because that's one thing that I learned in my business is I, I tried to over delegate and I realized that I actually made me miserable and I burnt out for 
10 to 18, something like 12 to 18 months. I was just burnt out. And I was like, man, why? And then I like got back in and not, I don't do everything, but I like got back into the weeds of, of what I was doing. And I realized how much I loved it. And like, I'm back on fire again with everything that I'm doing. So I, I do love that you, you talked about that because sometimes over delegating is like, okay, well, I'm missing out on the things that I, the reason why I'm in this industry to begin with. So I love that you brought that up. So if someone wanted to, I know we're, we're kind of at the top of the hour. So if someone wanted to connect with you, learn a little bit more about you, your team, your, uh, your region, um, what's the best way for someone to connect with you? Call me. I'm going to give you my personal cell. It's 239-216-4444. And my email is lauren at maxwellmortgageloans.com. And I'm very accessible. So you just pick up the phone and call me or email me. And I'd love to have a conversation. Love that. Look at and that. And you're calling me because we're doing investments now. That's right. So doing. Okay. <laughs> See, see, hey, hey, if you're not a salesperson, just listen to, to what Lauren says, because she just tried to close me twice on this call. And she tried to close <laughs> people on coming on to her uh, team. So that's three times she's asked for the sale on, on one podcast episode, which is uh, pretty incredible. So uh, thank you so much, Lauren. This has been an amazing uh, episode. I'm super excited for this to come out. And for everybody who's listening, I mean, you guys heard you guys heard the fire that we just talked about. But I just kind of uh, just to wrap things up, I really feel like the, the things that that Lauren really said that stood out to me were, you know, I mean, she puts in the work. I mean, she just puts in the work every single day. She answers the phone. She answers her emails. And what was the last one? It was being held accountable. Being so those are like, accountable. those are the four. I mean, those are the four things really at the end of the day is like, you have to put in the work, like nothing's going to be given to you, especially in a market like today where, you know, where there's no refis pretty much. And you know, the purchase market is, is down, right? Like you have to grind probably twice as hard to get half the business. So thank you so much, Lauren, for your time. And again, for anybody who's listening, if you are interested in learning a little bit more about how we're helping loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.